Hey, bud. Aloha. Welcome back to the Sandcast on the Zoomy Zoom. Uh, we currently don't have a studio right now because I moved out of my home, but we're going to have a nice upgraded studio once COVID is all over with. But you're listening to Sandcast, brought to you by Wilson, our favorite beach volleyball. And uh, it's just me and Travis here today. We just, there's, a, there's a lot to talk about. We had some fun last week in our super secret event. <laughs> and, uh, there's, a, there's a few fun fan questions. So uh, we're excited to dive in today. Yeah. Dude, soon you're going to be saying like Aloha as your intro, like from the actual Aloha state. <laughs> yeah, finally. Yes. I'm, uh, I'm, I just moved out of my house last night. It took forever. I, we definitely <laughs> underestimated how difficult it is with a child. Like you can't, any, one of us can't do anything. The only break we got was when Travis, when you came over, <laughs> watched the baby for, for like an hour or so just to walk her around the block in her red down Corvette. Dude, she was cruising, cruising through the neighborhood. <laughs> yeah. Oh man, it was, a, it was a nightmare, but we got it done. Everything's in storage. House is gone. Escrow's closing. And um, we're moving out to the islands on a one-way ticket. We will be back, though. It's funny. People keep texting me like, hey, I heard the news. Congrats. You're moving back. I'm like, I wish. But it's a one-way ticket. But, no, we'll be back in L.A. And um, we got to get back on that Olympic grind uh, pretty soon after. Just just wintering in Hawaii. Just doing a little off-season. Yeah, I'm hibernating. <laughs> yeah. I was wondering who, because uh, like you and Trevor and Jose did like a training camp there last year, yeah. right? It, who are, who's down there that you could, when you want to get some reps, that you could um, get out there with? There's not that many guys. Uh, yeah. James Ka is always one of those guys. Uh, our buddy Brahma. Um, there's... Uh, get Kevin Wong out there to serve you some balls? No, no Wong. Just pops his head in and heckles for a second. And then, you know, uh, it, it's mostly just us. But at that point in the year, like when we do our training camp, it's usually early. So like last year it was in January. And we, um, Jose doesn't, we don't really want other players out there much. It's really just building a foundation with, with mostly technical stuff. And Jose loves coming out. My partner's fellow Hawaiian. So it's pretty ideal. I'm sure we'll, get back out there this year. Um, we actually have a team meeting coming up here that we're going to plan everything out. Yeah. And it's good for a monster shooter too. You oh know, yeah. I love photo. it. <laughs> gotta get we the photo. Our, yeah. We have our um, monster content budget and we're like, well, uh, everything looks better in Hawaii. So why don't you fly <laughs> out here? And, and the camera crew is always pushing for like, yeah, yep, yep. We definitely have to go to Hawaii. That makes <laughs> And that's where the cover of uh, Volleyball for Milkshakes came from. We used yeah. one of your pictures from that to sort of use the cover. Yeah, yeah exactly. Down at Queen's <laughs> Had the rainbow and everything come out during the photo shoot. That was pretty epic. Pretty perfect. Yeah. 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 And luckily, Jose is, like, fully on board. Like, no, we, ha- we definitely have to do a Hawaii training. <laughs> yeah. We're all just, like, fully on board with it. No one opposed. Like, yeah. Exactly. <laughs> Well, you uh, you got one last uh, big event in before your move. Uh, someone was asking about the super secret training event, uh, training that you were uh, doing. What was yeah. the event that uh, was super secret here, Try? All right. So 
we threw a we we called up started from the top of the list of the AVP highest ranked players and we moved down the list to see who was available for an eight team or eight person KOB and the reason we didn't announce it was because for obvious reasons we didn't want a whole crowd to show up at the beach because it's kind of you know the city doesn't really want obviously not crowds but I don't know if volleyball is even fully permitted out there. So it's, it's still not technically allowed. Like there's still signs up on the courts yeah, of the pier. It's, it's like sure. no gatherings allowed, but they've just given up. <laughs> yeah. And, and down where we did it, um, they kind of knew, I, I want to say Mark Paului was, um, he was in touch with the city and they're like, just keep it in your own area. Anyway, we made it secret for that reason. We didn't want fans to show up, but what we did do for the fans was we invited my good buddies or our good buddies, the McKibben bros. And, uh, they fully went on a full production of it, which you can see on their YouTube channel. And we're blasting it out on our social media as well. Um, so we had the McKibbins create a fan friendly, um, platform for everyone to watch it on. And we just battled it out. We all threw down 200 bucks of our own money. Plus we got a little bit of, uh, donation money uh, thrown in for some of our sponsors and um, we just battled it out. And the reasoning was, you know, we didn't want our season to end, but we didn't want to start training like for nothing. You know, we were supposed to be competing. That's like at the point in our progression, obviously COVID got in the way. So we were just trying to figure out ways to compete. And I mean, really, if you just put me and Trevor on opposite sides of the net, we're going to, it's going to be enough <laughs> to compete, but if you throw a little bit of money, even lunch will, will uh, make us compete hard. But um, 200 bucks and a chance to win about 1600 I want to say. Yeah. Was the it was solid. That, uh, yeah. I mean, it, the morning, well, you guys got to watch the videos. The morning was a struggle for me. <laughs> uh, but by the end of it, I was like ready, like, I was like in the zone and that that's exactly what we wanted was that feeling of like, I have a lot on the line. There's pressure here. I have to perform. Like we wanted that feeling. So that's what, that's why we made the event. And, um, Travis money, Mawerder was the last <laughs> call Rudy. for us. He was our Rudy. <laughs> and then he ended up winning pool or getting out of pool. Did you win our pool? Yeah. I technically won it. Cause, uh, Thank you. Yeah, because Sandcast, we were repping all day. Someone yeah. on the Sandcast was on the court at all times, pretty much. Yep. Yep. Exactly. <laughs> but, yeah, it was funny how, like, the event got put together because me and you were talking about putting yeah. something together, and then Maddie and Riley also wanted to put something together, you know, to have video content. And yeah. then Trevor was also trying to put something together. So, like, all right, well, let's just get on a Zoom call and yeah. figure this thing out. Um, I'll like, in touch with all three of you. Like, me and you were talking about something the whole time. And then, yeah, Trevor wanted something. And I was like, well, let me, let me pitch this to Maddie and Riley because if they can, you know, if they can get out there and, and create a good production behind it, then it'll be great for fans. <laughs> and uh, sorry, I'm blowing up. And then, uh, so I started talking to Maddie and Riley and then I forgot to tell you, but then Trevor, st and you and Trevor started hitting each other up about it. And <laughs> Trevor started planning it. And then I started planning it with McKibbins and then, talking to you i was like wait what the hell is going on here we all need to come together and, then we all got together. and it ended up being great because we all kind of took a little piece of the 
the pie and uh, divided up the responsibilities. Yeah. So, so Trevor was kind of in, in charge of uh, putting the field together. Um, and I was sort of, if anyone's wondering how I got into that, I was a last minute call up emergency backup. Try always had my back, but it was funny. Cause like when Trevor was like, all right, here's my list. I was like, damn, like, I kind of wanted to play, but at the same time, I was like, I don't belong on that list. <laughs> so not yet, but, uh, you were my sleeper. I mean, we train with you all the time, so we yeah. know you can hang, but in terms yeah. of the list and ranking, yeah, you, you weren't, didn't make much sense you much of, you were the next guy on the list yet right but uh but i knew you could hang and you were part of producing it so yeah. i was like oh we gotta throw this guy driver yeah. just cut throw <laughs> nope, nope. and then a guy drops out and, I, and i'm like travis <laughs> uh now we'll, let's try this guy have we tried <laughs> you're like you're texting him uh, I'm I'm ready. I'm available. Ready and available. Travis is sending out Rudy uh, YouTube video links. <laughs> and then finally, uh, who was the last drop? Uh, uh, Troy. Troy Field. Pulled out. Troy Field was replacing K Spear. Yeah. And then and then Troy pulled out with like a back injury. Yeah. And we're just, I'm just cheering Rudy. Rudy. I'm <laughs> like, all right, whatever you're in. Yeah. And then, and then Travis comes out and wins pool. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. This is really funny. <laughs> yeah. So the field, uh, the field was great. It ended up being, um, we're not going to give you guys a heads up of like kind of who moved on. We'll leave that up to the McKibbins um, who have videos coming out uh, yeah. Thursday, Saturday, next Monday, and next Wednesday. Um, but the field was me and Try. Taylor and came um, Casey Patterson, Trevor, Avery Drost, and Stafford Slick. Mm -hmm. And so the format was uh, everyone played for Standard King of the Beach. Everyone played a set to 21 with everyone in their pool. Top two uh, from each pool moved on to the semifinals. And then the top two from the semifinal pool got to pick their partner from the entire uh, field to play a match at the end. Yeah. So it was super fun. It was fun for me to be able to compete. Like, it's funny because like, this is normally the time when we do our season ending episode, but this is like the very beginning of my season. That was the first tournament of my season pretty much. Right. Yeah. I guess. So. Now, yeah. Cause I have a tournament going to Hayden's place uh, next weekend and then plan a tournament, uh, two more tournaments in Florida after that. And then you have, we have the big KOB uh, in Tavares um, that you're not going to. You're one of the few big dogs that's not playing in that one. The one in Florida. Yeah. yeah so this is like that was like the beginning of my year. <laughs> right. Uh, I wanted to play in that event in Florida. Um, I also wanted to go to um, Tennessee to play in Hayden's event, which you're playing in, right? Yeah. Yeah. I was trying to make that all happen, but everything. I've been like trying to get to Hawaii for months now as well. Yeah. And everything came together all at the same time. I was like, you know what? Screw this. I'm going home. <laughs> yeah. And you guys, I'm going home. <laughs> and at the end of the day, it's just one KOB. You'll have plenty of opportunities <laughs> to play oh, in tournaments. Sure. But that'll be fun. That's a pretty loaded field out there. Yeah, I'm excited. It uh it's cool because <laughs> it's USA point system. So going to China, it's paying off for me, baby. Snuck in last spot main draw. <laughs> Dude, 
saw that. I was like looking at that list and, and that's off legit points. You're yeah. Killing it right there. Yeah. Cause it's funny. Cause like I have a sneaky amount of international points cause of um, I've done pretty well in Norsecas and then China made main draw on a three star, which is better than winning one stars. Um, and then me and Adam got third at the cook Island. So I have like a fair amount. It's funny. Like once like Phil and Nick and Jake and a lot of these guys, once their points are washed up, I'll be like kind of up there in terms of FIVB. <laughs> this is, this is the system. People don't understand. People are like, Oh, I think I want to be on tour next year. So I'm going to go be on tour next year. Yeah. Like, no, you want to be on tour next year. You should have started last year. Yeah. I mean, everyone's going to move up at a different pace, but uh, you're smart, dude. Now you're just watch if, if three or four guys retire, which is expected. Yeah. You're going to be one. Hell, you might slide into the USA stipend. <laughs> I, I was looking at that. I was like, we got to stop hiding from playing international events. <laughs> oh, Hayden's out, dude. <laughs> or oh, he's just going to pick maybe one or two. <laughs> yeah. You know, Hayden knows. Hayden yeah, knows, oh, knows how to work it, but, uh, you know, Sean Scott knows all his tricks, though. Yeah. <laughs> he's gonna call him out for it. that's his old partner yeah so like ones and two stars like i was just looking at them as just investments just putting them in the piggy bank for later and that's, that's pretty good volleyball too though it's not it's really good volleyball I about one star but two star like in europe there's a, that's really good volleyball yeah one stars are, are weird because like um alex rangieri hasn't made it out of a qualifier in the last two one stars so, like, you get these teams, and so the, the blocker that Adrian picked up for European champs, um, that's who I played in the quarterfinals in Tel Aviv. Who was that? I didn't even... um, his name's – so Enrico Rossi got hurt, um, and so he had to pull up this blocker named Jacob Windish. Um, and his partner, actually this lefty defender named Samuel uh, Kadafava, that's a guy that the world should take note of because he is freaking good. Really? Um, yeah, he was like 20. Um, and they, they played in the, the Rome World Tour Finals. And this kid, like, they went like 21-19, 21-19 with uh, Oleg and uh, Krasilnikov. Like, they're freaking legit. And so when I saw Adrian pick him up, I was like, that's a good, a pretty good pickup no one's heard of. <laughs> they took ninth. So, I mean, and in Europe, man, that's a good finish. Europe's strong. Is he a big guy? He's like 6'7". Wow. So this is the guy we got to keep an eye on. Six, seven, yeah. 20 years old. Yeah. I think, uh, I think the defender will probably be the better player of the two. Yeah. Um, but the blocker is good. So, yeah, I mean, Europe, did you catch any of the European champs? No, I'm the worst. I kind of wish yeah. I did. I saw them post on Instagram. I was like, oh, that happened? <laughs> yeah. Oh, you won. Okay, cool. Looking at uh, the field in Europe, it's insane. All the best teams in the world are in Europe. Like deep, yeah. the, the women's side is kind of the opposite where it's, you got Brazil, Canada, and the U S and then everyone else is, they're good, but you know, it's not great. And then on the guy's side, it's like, Holy cow. <laughs> like, like Tali and uh, Vickler got 25th. <laughs> oh yeah. yeah. It is deep over there, huh? Yeah. They have like, it's ba Europe is basically like the U S like their world tour, their international, events within europe are is like our avp i guess you know like they see each other a lot they have such high competition there's a lot of players to pull from um definitely deeper than 
the U.S. as, <laughs> yeah. as a whole. But yeah, I don't know. That's we need to we need to calm that down and go kick their asses and put yeah. them back in place. Yes, we're we're relying on on you and Trev <laughs> to put your back in its place. <laughs> oh, I'll, I'll take that on my shoulders. <laughs> um. So that was, we answered one fan question, um, which is about your secret uh, training. Um, someone asked, 405 Lacks asked where everyone's been training. Um, it's, you know, we had like a couple run-ins, like a few practices got shut down in Hermosa, but um, once Mark Paolui, uh, and Greg Delgado, I think they talked to the chief of police and they just kind of said, hey, like if you can kind of keep distance when you're not playing, like we don't really want to be shutting you guys down. It hasn't really been a, a huge issue. Yeah. Um, yeah, it's been cool with it. Cops are driving by, and we just kind of give them a heads up. Yeah, and did you see in Santa Monica, um, said Ocean Beach, they put piles of sand in front, like on the poles. On so, the poles. Yeah, so, so like between the poles, they just made like a sand dune. So the sand went all the way to the top of the poles. And so John Schwengel and I think Devin Berkey took shovels and tore it tore down the sand dune so you could play in santa monica oh my god <laughs> so it was schwengel is ticked um actually speaking of schwengel that kind of leads us into our next question uh who is a younger player that you see being successful one day uh someone a little bit more unknown than eric baranek and andy benish um i think the obvious answer for everyone should be miles partain yeah Miles, I think, I he's so freaking good. Like I was talking to Adam Roberts, and Adam was like, "I expect an Olympic medal out of him one day," That's and cool. he's looking like Paris twenty twenty four. But Miles will be at UCLA, so I don't know. But I think LA twenty eight. I think I have no reason not to think that Miles wouldn't be there. Yeah, I mean, it's it's definitely early on. You look at like football recruiting basketball where like that guy at 18 was the guy and then you get to the later levels of professional and that's not the case anymore and I think a lot of that just has it has nothing to do with his potential and whether he can do it it's just really like until you grow up and kind of start turning turning that corner to adulthood you don't know if that's really the life path you want to take and when you're younger, some kids get pushed down a path. Anyway, that's that's the only reason I would be like, you know, I wouldn't commit to it and put all my money on it right off the bat. Yeah. Uh, obviously, these kids love volleyball, and and I think, yeah, you're you're so right. Like Miles, his game, he trains with us, and he'll come out on top on any given drill. Um, I guess it comes down to like that competing on the big stage, that competitive drive. I think that's like the thing that really separates people because once you get to this level he's just a great all-around player but there's nothing like specifically that he's gonna do that's just like whoa he's gonna be the best in the world at that specific whereas like some players are just kind of freakish in one way or another yeah um so it's gonna come down to his competitive drive and i think like hayden said the key to like taking that step to greatness is consistency so but yeah, I mean, I'll agree with you. Twenty twenty four. Yeah, uh, and Miles, he's going. He's, next, sure, he's, yeah, yeah. He he, I mean, he's on scholarship at UCLA, so I mean, he'll still be in college. Also, is he physically really? 
he'll be yeah. in college. You know, uh, he'll, is he physically going to take another step? You know, like because yeah. he jumps well for an eight. He jumps well, does everything well, but not like world class yeah. in anything physically. Yeah. But imagine if he does put on something world class, has a really quick step, or he jumps four, five, six inches higher. Yeah. Then we're talking um, where you're going from good to great. Yeah. So, I mean, I'm, I'm with you that like, I always get, I'm really hesitant to project a couple of years, let alone two Olympics down the road. Your money on the, on someone, it's gotta be him right now. Yeah. But I, I think miles is as good as they get in terms of young kids. But I think John Schwengel, uh, I would expect him to start making main draws fairly regularly um and then our boy uh timmy brewster um i love his game i went out i was training with him and jose this morning um little lefty lefty magic i, I think that schwengel and tim brewster are both uh really good i think schwengel may be a little better because he's just more physical um yeah, tim just needs a little bit of that uh a little more fu in there yeah you know that's what i'm talking about it's like that little competitive edge that can get you beyond yeah at a young age, like you can train as much as you want, but when you get into the, the real thick of it, some guys are just going to not allow, they're just going to refuse to lose. Yeah. And it doesn't matter how good you are, how many reps you got, you have to overcome that, you know, in that moment. So I think that's kind of the, the thing that's yet to be seen with a lot of these young guys. Yeah. And then on, on the women's side, there's just too many to pick from. <laughs> like the college, the college game is just so ridiculous. Um, it's so it's so tough, but I love um, uh, this girl at Pepperdine named Carly Scott. She just transferred. She was an outside at Michigan, uh, and she played Wapaka grass with Delaney and Katie, and she is an animal, like absolute. She hits the ball like way harder than I do, <laughs> which isn't saying a whole lot, but <laughs> dude, she's got a cannon, and she just plays in every tournament. They she's just been playing like Florida, Wisconsin, Tennessee, like everything that she can play because she's still making that transition to beach so mm -hmm. on the women's side if i had to pick like one who's gonna like who not many people know of just yet i think carly scott's probably my pick i'll take your word for that one yeah i know i'm, I'm more of the the expert on the women's side yeah, um <laughs> let's see we got uh next question uh from volleyball jim what do you guys think the 2021 season will look like? Oh man, that's so up in there. I guess what we're planning on it looking like or expecting it to look like is just to basically mimic exactly what this year was supposed to look like. Um, except I, I would imagine there's going to be for sure, you know, probably no fans or less fans at, at every event. There's going to be all the regulations and whatnot. I'm sure there'll be a few cancellations, um, but they got to run something, you know, something has to happen. If, if Olympics is happening, these qualification events have to happen. Yeah. Uh, unless they just want to give me the spot. <laughs> I was going to say, you're probably rooting for nothing till Tokyo. <laughs> yeah, I'm not, on that one. I'm not holding my breath. Yeah. Um, but but that's like we literally have no idea what's going to happen except for I believe that the promoters from last year who had events set in the schedule are going to have the priority to rerun those events and 
So we're kind of just expecting that to happen. Yeah. And then for AVP, um, I just, I can't imagine that sponsors are jumping at the opportunity to sponsor any sporting event right now, like either football, NBA, AVP, whatever. Um, especially if you look at like the viewership numbers, I think the AVP's viewership was great uh, for the champions cup, but I know like NFL viewership is tanking. The NBA viewership is tanking. Yeah. So um, I think the landscape will probably be much different. I think it'll probably maybe have to get a little creative in terms of revenue streams. Yeah, I would think that they would at least run a more events like they did here because I know that yeah. was a lot cheaper for them to run those. Obviously, you need sponsors on board, but I can't imagine that they wouldn't jump at that opportunity to run at least, uh, you know, uh, maybe double what they ran this year because that was all last second, you know? Yeah. I mean, shit, they could put together 10 of those. Yeah. From what I understand, it's putting together like 15 of those events without fans that they did this year would be the same price as running seven normal events. Nice. Yeah. I, I know making that up, but I know it's significantly cheaper. Yeah. Cause I know that the AVP was really happy. Like they were stoked with the way it turned out. Um, right. And I think the numbers in terms of viewership on Amazon prime, from what I hear, were great. Um, they had great sponsors, Porsche, Monster, Wilson. So I think like if, if the AVP is in a situation where we can't run events with fans again, at least they have that as like a, what looks like a pretty attractive backup option. Thank God. <laughs> yeah. And worst comes to worst, we'll just keep putting on secret events. <laughs> we'll just put together our own like little YouTube tour. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, all right. So Kiwi Kid has nine questions um let me try to pick a couple um that we can go with let's see from a player's point of view um is king of the court uh well i think in this case what he means is king of the beach not king of the court uh is king of the is king of the beach uh fun to play or is it too gimmicky in terms of like a real event because like what the one that we put on uh, not that it wasn't a real event but you know it wasn't we were playing for 100 grand in prize money um do you think that like if an avp brought back like the old school kob that they used to run at like caesar's palace if that would be a cool thing to do at the end of the season or would you be like ah it's kind of a gimmick for the fans or for the players we're talking uh for players no, I, th I think it would definitely carry weight. Um, if they run a KOB, I'm going to want to be the one to win that. Like, yeah. we haven't run one in years. Like, you want your name – you want that on your resume. Yeah. It's the only tournament where your name goes on there alone, you know. And I think it carries a lot of weight. I mean, look at Hayden. That, that's single-handedly what got Hayden's career off the ground was – I, I want to say he didn't win an event before that. That was his first win. Yeah. Yeah. So he, he was somebody cause he was an, he was an indoor guy transitioning to the beach for a few years. And then he came out and won the KOB and then now guys want him. He yeah. won him again. Now it's like, okay, this guy's elite. Like he is not on his way up. He's here. Um, and then he started winning tournaments with his partners after that. Yeah. I, I think it carries huge weight. 
Um, obviously, you, you want to see good prize money so there's more pressure on the line and it's easier for the fans to buy in that way, I believe. Yeah. When you're like, wow, these guys are playing for something huge right now. Um, and it's just for one guy, you mm-hmm. know? And then the, the partnerships mixing up is so fun. Like, yeah. I, I felt like I could be so creative and play so differently with each player throughout the day. Um, and I mean, any given match, as you guys will watch in the, in the KOB <laughs> video, I play with a certain guy twice and they're exact opposites of, of <laughs> the, the two matches are ended up being opposite results. Well, you're playing a much more formidable team in the first time. So <laughs> <laughs> there was a cakewalk at the end. <laughs> um, I, I think the timing, if, if the AVP or the FIVB were to put on a King of the beach, um, I think the timing's important where I think you have to have that at the end of the season um, when like, you're not going to put it in the middle where then yeah. you have to resume playing with your old partnership. I think it's great end of season. Like it's a fun competitive event where I think for players, it's fun because you get to try new partnerships. Like I remember Casey Patterson loved the KOBs because his yeah. dream was to show up for Phil and be like, Phil, like I'm playing really good with you. Pick me up. so i think it's fun for the players to play with guys that you wouldn't normally play with it's fun for fans to see those partnerships i think it's fun to see who guys draft too exactly and and for fans like you always wonder these partnerships you're like dang these things are great but imagine if those two players got to play together like yeah out there uh so i i think it's it's great in that sense if you were going to do it during season you'd need like a almost like an all-star break period yeah where we have a week off before and then a week or two off after so that we can train without our partner for a few practices and then get back to training with our partner and continue. Um, but I, I agree. It should, should probably happen at the end. Yeah. And uh, my pool right now, as it stands in the KOB in Florida in a oh. month is uh, Phil and Hayden. Um, and then someone's coming out of the qualifier. And so, like, Phil and Hayden is a, uh, is a team that everyone's wanted to see for so long. It's true, yeah. <laughs> so, I'll let you guys know how it is. <laughs> You're shoveling everything on the table. No, set it back. You think Nick's begging for options now. <laughs> but Hayden sets options where it's not an option at all. It's a, yeah. It, <laughs> you got to go. Yeah, you got to go. <laughs> There's no option there. <laughs> yeah. All right, guys, going to take a quick break from all of your fan questions. And as always, we appreciate you guys so much for listening to the show and for asking questions for us to answer. You guys are the engine that keeps this show running, as is our guys. You know them, Wilson Volleyball. They make the best equipment in beach volleyball and absolutely the best balls. They're new. Well, I guess it's not so new anymore. They came out with the optics ball about a year ago, but that design is sleek. You can see the spin with its new spin detection technology. So even I can pass a jump serve so I can see the top spin. It is the best ball in the game. And to get a 20% discount on the best ball in the game, use our code SANDCAST-20 to get 20% off all Wilson products. The show is also brought to you by VolleyballMag.com. Check out those guys. They do work pretty much for free. 
all their stuff is just done on gratis, basically. Uh, and they do tremendous work covering the game. And if you guys donate to them using their new membership packages, they're able to hire more freelancers like me or Megan Kaplan or any of half a dozen other writers for the website. So if you guys give them a little bit of coin, they'll get better products for you guys to read. So give them a shout, volleyballmag.com. Try and I would also love it, love it, if you checked out our new book, Volleyball for Milkshakes. If you already have it, if you could give us a review on Amazon, it goes a long, long way. But if you like the show, we think you would absolutely love the book. It was a blast to write and work on with Try. Uh, it's based kind of on his childhood at Outrigger. It's a little bit fictionalized, but a lot of the elements are real, and all the lessons that we include in the book are derived from the show, from the best players in the country and the world. So check out Volleyball for Milkshakes today. Drop us a review if you can. We really appreciate it, and we really appreciate you guys listening, as always. And now, back to the show. Um, the next question is from... Uh, uh, AJ Mahalik uh, asking why uh, you and Trev dropped out of King of the Court. Uh, so we trained for King of the Court, we, which was awesome. That was the biggest part was like we we're happy to have an event scheduled there. Yeah. Um, and honestly, it's really fun to play that, that game. And the stadium was awesome. So we, we really wanted to be out there. Um, we did have a small wedding with one of our close friends that was kind of overlapping and we were trying to leave from the wedding to go out to the king of the court and train and whatnot but they couldn't book our flights until we had already left for the wedding we didn't even know if we were going to be able to fly out there and i have a child that if i was going to go to europe i wasn't bringing my child i was getting in-laws to babysit if i was going if i wasn't going to europe then I was going to bring the child and then see family after. And uh, so they couldn't tell us before we left for the trip already. And, you know, with COVID, with uh, um, the fact that you could get injured playing in an event, the money was not good. Uh, it was more just to go to play something. Um, and I think the biggest reason was we, we felt like we got a, like, a ton of the value out of King of the Court just by training for it, having yeah. some intention behind training and not just showing up for nothing. So we decided last second that um, we weren't going to go, um, but we're still happy we got a lot of value out of training for it. But that's what happened. Kind of bummed yeah. we missed it though. Yeah. Did you? I'm assuming you watched maybe a little bit of it at least. Yeah, I watched. It was awesome. It looks so fun. Cool event. Yeah. That stadium was sick. Yeah. It, uh, dude, the, the Belgian guys, I'd never seen them play before. I was like, holy shit. Oh, really? <laughs> Who are these guys? Making ball. Sure. Van Wally and, uh, Coco Corin or whatever that guy's last name. <laughs> yeah. He brings heat. Yeah. It, uh, it was fun to watch. The, dude, the girls, uh, did you watch the Van Drill sisters? These like 20 year old sisters? I saw a little bit. Yeah. It's like, holy cow. They're just like hand set and dish and pin to pin. Mm -hmm. I um it's evolving it's crazy yeah I asked April she April was practicing after me the other day and I was like like how are the Van Drill sisters and she was like dude they caught all of us off guard but they were legit <laughs> and April doesn't just like dole out comment like compliments left and right like if April says you're legit it's you're legit yep that's, that's pretty fair 
Yeah. So it would, uh, hopefully, uh, we can have one of those like after an AVP, uh, like Wilco was talking about, that would be freaking cool. That'd be cool. Well, that was really fun when we got to pair it up with an AVP in uh, Hawaii. Yeah. And then uh, after Huntington too. That was just uh, the, that was just the king of the court, right? There wasn't a. Oh yeah, that was yeah. that was just king of the court. That was really fun though, because it was yeah. Really yeah. Uh, next question is from Gaucho Ball Eleven. Uh, do you do you know of any players who have given beach volleyball up and started working their professional careers? Um, not. I mean, there, there's been a few players who have um, been in that transition that I know of, and I don't know all the players. I haven't been in touch with everyone, so I don't know. I know Ryan Doherty was, you know, he wanted to still play this year, but he was definitely transitioning to his new job as a financial advisor, I believe. Yeah. And then Hayden um, Trent already was a, um, moving off the world tour, obviously wanted to play all season domestically he'll probably still play next year if they have events i'm assuming i don't know but um i think this made him just be like okay i'm just focusing on my he's gonna stay in shape no matter what he's probably gonna be in shape even after he retires yeah so um i think he definitely has put more time into his um Hyden beach building that out in tennessee uh ty loomis i think I want to say it was yeah for me i think Lumi's on his way out i wouldn't be surprised to see him in a few events but i don't think that i think he's he's easing out he's kind of like a nooners kind of guy where he's going to be playing on the weekends for the rest of his life so right. for him to sign up for an event won't be a big yeah. deal um yeah i think so i think i would say Lumi's probably on his way out ryan i could see ryan just being one of those guys like a um going into like a Kurt Topple phase where he plays the California events, you know, right. pop in for Manhattan, Huntington, Hermosa, but New York, ah, I'm okay. Engaged. Recently engaged. Is that what you said? No, no, no. I said Kurt Topple phase. Engaged. <laughs> Getting in the Kurt Topple phase. Yeah. <laughs> Um, I'm interested to see if Chase Frischman plays again. I was going to bring up Frischman. I don't know enough to, to speak on it, but I know he's been getting into the real estate game, right? Uh, he's kind of on an existential journey right oh, now, just road tripping right. across the country. That sounds more like Frischman. <laughs> yeah. uh, Ubering for weddings, I heard. And yeah. <laughs> yeah. That's his professional gig. We got him started. We wanted to launch the Chase Frischman Uber gig. Yeah. <laughs> um like brunsting i don't know if if mikey's gonna come back into it well a lot of these guys are um kind of doing part-time anyway and like yeah. getting their coaching career getting their other careers going and seeing where volleyball takes them but in terms of the top guys i think most people are sticking around rosie sounds like he's he's got like a little bone to pick with anyone doubting him so he's yeah working hard on his rehab which i love uh c pat sounds like he's gonna be around for avps for a while like he just mm -hmm. loves it too much but i'm sure he's got like four jobs he's doing <laughs> always 
<laughs> Taking 800 milligrams of caffeine a day. Oh, for sure. <laughs> so I think on the women's side, I don't know. Um, you never know what, what happens with, you know, the ones who are pregnant and how they come back from it. Yeah, Irene. Um, there's Irene, uh, Betsy. Uh, Lane Carrico. Lane? I don't, I don't know what her plan is. Um, Kaya Marciniak. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so I think I think for the guys, it's more like who's going out to find like jobs and stuff. And for the women, it's kind of who is willing to really kind of make it work after post-pregnancy. Yeah. Exactly. So it'll be interesting. 2021 will be interesting in like every way possible. Well, 2022 is going to be more interesting, I think, because yeah. of the men's side with all these older guys that, you know, they said they were going to step away in 2021, obviously pushed to 2022, but like, what will that look like? What will the men's side look like? You know? Yeah. A lot different. Yeah. All, all the guys you've been waiting for to get to leave are now going to, they're finally gone. Well, we'll see. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Feels like, ah, well, Paris is just a couple of years away. It's like, well, I already had to skip a, I already played a, a, a year into the squad yeah. another year and then i'm back in <laughs> yeah <laughs> so we'll see a uh, couple more fan questions um rob on the mic is uh asking who is the best trash talker on the men's and women's sides um let's start best, with the women best or does it the most because, yeah, does it the most is Trevor. But it's not like Trevor's creative, you know? Yeah. You just kind of get some people's faces. I, I yeah. think you have more, like, witty comments. I don't oh, know. I, I like people being a little smarter with their trash talk. Like, Stafford's funny. I think Stafford says some mm-hmm. funny stuff under the net. I, I like – okay, so for a good trash talk, it's got to be effective, first yeah. of all. Like, if you're going to talk trash to someone, I like I – like, you know, saying something funny for the fans, okay. But for me, it's more like, what is it doing for this match? Like, Ed Ratledge, is, he's going to talk to the fans because he wants to be friendly with the fans. Right. And they'll giggle, and he's literally talking to the fans. Let the eagle fly. It has nothing to do with anything on the court <laughs> whatsoever. Stafford's kind of, like, in between. Like, he'll talk to the players, but, like, the fans will hear it and kind of laugh, and yeah. it's not like, in your face. Trevor is, I think, very in your face, partially like intimidation factor, like if you're kind of showing weakness, and partially, I think mostly, it's just to put more pressure on himself, get himself going. And then he likes, he likes being the villain. He understands his role in our sport, which yeah. I agree with. It's, it's doing well for him. Yeah. Um, but for me, yeah, it's, it's like a combination of all those things for me. I, I don't, I like making the fans laugh, but in the match, I don't care if I'm going to talk, it's going to have intention behind. Like, first of all, if you come at me, I'm going to, then I start getting louder. Yeah. Like, I usually don't go after people unless they're really showing weakness or something. Yeah. Um, but I think you just test people, you know, and if they start to collapse then you, then you keep the heat on them. If they start to come back at you and they start rising up, then it's like, okay, I'm not gonna not gonna make you raise up anymore. But that that's my um, two cents on it. And I don't know who's good. I actually kind of like Nick Lucena. Yeah, he's like he has intention behind it. He knows when to fire up. 
but he's also like an extremely nice guy. So like, yeah, I should be like, sorry, sorry, sorry. Like, like, <laughs> no. Dude, okay. I loved Nick with the hot mic. So Casey, he was playing Casey and Theo, and Casey hit one of his like short wrist away lines, and Nick dug it, but his dig took his hat off, and Casey was like, "That's a double," and Nick like middle of the play is like, "Fuck you, Casey." Yeah. <laughs> Oh, for sure yeah it was awesome I like, I like nick's nick's trash talking like casey is all about it seems like about the fans like, he builds up his own guy him. yeah he wants people to hear him he's talking for himself and for the fans um but i like the people who are talking to the other side and like playing playing that into the strategy of the game and whatnot yeah um, Bill doesn't talk nick yeah. who else talks I like your answer of Nick. Uh, Nick's a good one. He's sneaky, though. Yeah. Um, when we were playing him, like, when, for example, when we're playing and Trevor's playing against him, like, he starts talking. Yeah. He has his witty dialogue. So, yeah, I guess we could give it to Nick. Yeah. We'll give it to Nick because everyone expects Trevor. But I'm, I'm going Nick, too. <laughs> for the women. Just because you make noise doesn't mean you're uh, doing the right thing. Yeah. For the women, uh, you know, who, who kind of talks a little trash or at least like give some stare downs that are like bone chilling is Sarah Pavin. Oh, yeah. Oh, when when Pav That's is like, she's pissed off, off man. <laughs> like, terms, like I had the tiger like, whoa, like, jeez. <laughs> yeah, I not want to. Yeah. <laughs> Pavin, like is so competitive and fired up. And yeah. And everything. Yeah. Yeah. Trace you know, also uh, even Kleinman. Like, Kleinman has this side to her that turns yeah. around. Like, oh. Yeah, because I think Alex and Sarah are both, and like, they just, they don't really care if you're going to be friends with them afterwards. They're just like, <laughs> don't bring that shit in here. Absolutely, yep. Uh, Tracy, Tracy Callahan talks a little bit. Really, yeah. I haven't heard too much of it, but she, yeah. she would, uh, I could see her intimidating as well, for sure. Yeah. Thanks for hitting those Mikel workouts. <laughs> no kidding. And then the most annoying person for me to play against, she's sitting right next to me, is Delaney. Just <laughs> has these just has these witty comments. Just like super dry it's trash talk. Face. Like Trevor's really in your face, but Delaney will just give you these little things. Like she was playing fours a couple weeks ago and she blocked the same person twice. I forget who it was. And she just looked at the setter and she was like, Maybe you should try setting someone else. <laughs> she just says little things like that they just they just dig at you <laughs> yeah wow sure yeah. that's how it is with the uh husband wife relationship too she can just whittle oh, she, you down <laughs> <laughs> yeah. she knows <laughs> um next question from bombs away we'll do uh two more uh how much do you try to develop your own style versus model your game off of others. Uh, for I mean, for me, it's for me. This is like really similar to actually kind of fighting like what we call like your writing voice. So like you start when you start writing, you're sort of like copying your favorite writers and trying to do imitations, but your imitations end up being terrible because you're not that writer. Right. Um, and then you're like, okay, well, this worked and the rest of this we can throw out. And then you kind of add other elements of other writers until you get comfortable enough in your own skin where you sort of developed your own voice by bringing in elements of all your favorite writers. 
mm. where for me with beach, cause like I hadn't really before this past year, I hadn't really had much formal training. Um, I just developed purely off of other people's game that were around like six, four to six, six undersized. So like I pulled a lot from Tim Baumgren, um, Madison, I watched a ton of film on you. Uh, it was funny, like Jose, I ran a four today and Jose was like, oh, look like try with the hands. And <laughs> I was like, I think I've probably watched more of Tri's film than he has. Um, so I like, my development was pretty much exclusively other people's games until I started to figure out. Another one was actually Trevor. Um, Cause me and Trevor are kind of similar in that neither of us jump like crazy high we're not like super physically gifted, but, and we don't hit all that hard, but Trevor, his vision is like ridiculous. He just hits it where the other team isn't all the time. And I'm like, okay, well I can probably try to do that. Cause that's something you can learn. You can't really learn to hit the ball like Taylor. That's kind of a genetic gift. Sure. Um, so mine was like exclusively other people's games. And now I've kind of carved out my own little style um, based off of that. And for you, I mean, you, you had the complete opposite approach to volleyball where you grew up playing it. Yeah. Uh, I think you nailed it though. Like, I think that's the approach for sure. And for me, it, it was like, honestly, more of the same, except for I started with this foundation of feel, you know, where I remember being a kid and playing on the baby court and, and getting this feeling of blocking where I was like, Oh, like that's what it's supposed to feel like. Nobody taught me it. And I just started doing it more and more. I'm like, yeah, I'm dominating my friends. Like, I'm the I'm one of the only guys who's blocking people straight down right now. Like, this yeah. is awesome. So I started replicating those feelings a lot. And, and that's kind of probably the most valuable way to develop your game is, like, to feel something that works and then replicate it and then make it your own. Like, that's my thing. Um, it's not like someone taught me how to do it. I felt it. Um, but then you also have to be open to learning from other people, right? And you see other skills and whatnot that people do. And I think it's just important to not get caught up in it, which is why I agree with like what you said about how writers do it or how you do it as a writer, finding your own, it's the same thing as finding your own game. It's like, my game is my game. There's all these blank pieces to this puzzle. I'm going to get all these other puzzle pieces from this guy and I'm going to see which one fits into mine and discard the other ones, you know, and then I'm going to take another puzzle and find what piece fits into mine and then discard the rest. Yeah. And you don't want to get too attached to um, playing like your role model or something. Cause you're, you're not them. You'll never play someone else's style better than them. You, but you'll always be able to play your style better than anybody else. Yeah. That's what it reminds me of. Um, so this, this jujitsu guy, like one of the best in the world, he would always put out his training videos on YouTube. Yeah. yeah. Marcelo Garcia. Yeah. Right. And, uh, and he would put them out and people were like, why are you doing that? And he's like, well, they're going to try to train for what I'm doing. He's like, they're going to play my game. So right. he's like, they can try to do that. I'm just going to beat them at my own game right. instead of them doing their own thing. I, I, I like love that. It's in uh, I read that in tools of Titans. I was like, God, that's genius. <laughs> yep. I read that same thing. Exactly. I, I've like held on to that one for a while too. In my mind. And also I think he said, and then there will be those 
5% or 2% that can play your game and beat you at it. But then they're the ones who are going to help you raise your bar and make right. it even better. Yeah. Uh, because it's hard to raise your bar when no one's passing you or pushing you, you know? Yeah. But by putting it out there, he's letting those, the cream of the crop rise to the top and challenge him to raise his bar. Yeah. And I love that too, that people, I feel like the best in the world appreciate like a worthy rival. Right. You know, like I think that Anders and Christian probably love how much the Russians have pushed them before Tokyo because like they're gonna have to change their game. And now you see them like run those little bump shoots and stuff and like they're yeah. mixing things up. Well imagine if if Hayden, Phil, Nick, these guys retired when they were forty. Or not, I mean Phil and Nick are forty, but like Jake when he was forty, you know, all these guys a whole quad ago. Like yeah. we would not have been challenged even nearly as much as we have been, which, you know, there's no way my game's going to be as good as it is now because of that. Um, I might have more wins to my name, but uh, for sure, like when I look back on my career, I'm going to be like, even though I freaking hate Jake as a, <laughs> as a, as a rival, you know, right? not as a person, but um, he's probably going to be the one that I'm like thank, most thankful for. Yeah. Uh, who knows? But no, I, I think you're right. Cause I mean, I think that, you know, as, as the middle sibling of between two other brothers, you know, I had both kinds of motivation, right? I had to like, I can't lose to my little brother, but I think far more motivating for most competitors is I want to beat the big dog. Like I want to go beat my older brother. So like whenever I would go into basketball practices with, you know, the varsity team when I was in eighth grade, you know, then it's like, all right, well, you got to step up your game. And that's what they've made you do. So even though, like, in the moment, you know, maybe you would have more wins, but I think down the road, you're going to look back and be like, all right, you know, Jake, I hate to say it, but I'm grateful for all those times you kind of stumped me with right. that deep middle swing every time. <laughs> yeah. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> um, we'll do one more question. Uh, this is from College Beach Fan. Um, and try, I think you'll probably appreciate this one. What would you change about the Olympic qualifying process? Ooh. If I had an ideal world? Yeah, ideal world. This one's kind of tricky because I do believe that the world tour team, or sorry, the Olympic team should be decided on the world tour uh, because that's the best competition in the world and that's who you're playing in the Olympics. Um, and it's also like the hardest, it's hardest to be on that grind uh, in terms of being a professional athlete, like to go on the world tour and grind it out against those teams, travel included, everything that comes along with it included, the pressure, all that. Um, that's the greatest challenge and that's should give the greatest reward. In terms of success of volleyball in the US, I wish it was decided on the AVP tour. Um, I think that that would help our fan base. I think we could put a better product out there. I think all of us, I mean, I guarantee all of us top level guys would show up to every event. I think that's what we need. Um, to be honest, at this point, I'd be willing to sacrifice um, the fact that I, I think that the team should be decided on the world tour 
to get that value of volleyball in our country, like to really quote unquote, it's, the words are used way too much, but like to really grow this sport to what we want it to be, I think the, the domestic tour has to hold that, um, that position and we need to just battle it out over a bunch of events in the US in front of our fans against each other. Um, but yeah, I don't know what the answer is, but yeah. that's, my, that's my ideal world is, is where we have a, a mixture of the two. Yeah, I think um, my favorite, so you would have to comply with the world tour standards, right? Where if you have one team in the top 16, if you're in the top 16, then Ooh, you're, yeah. you're like that right and then your other team if if your other team is in the top 24 in the world it's up to usa to decide how that's done which i think then we could have our olympic trials be eight avp tournaments where the team the team with the most avp points during those the olympic quad years is your second team dude that would be like a really gnarly strategy game because yeah you what if there was conflicts in the schedule and you're like i have to go play on this world tour event to get top 16 but this other team's already top 16 and they can go play in the avp and get this qualifying point direct qualifying points but if you're doing well on the avp but you don't get yourself top 16 then you're not even eligible for that spot right so yeah so it's it's kind of similar to how it used to be because so when in 96 when we had our trials it was the top team on the fivb secured an olympic spot which was sinjin and carl henkel and then so the the other teams got like their top next two teams on the world tour got buys in the olympic trials so that was kind of their their benefit of going on the world tours that you got to buy um and then but even the olympic trials they weren't like wide open like you needed to hit a certain standard of avp points to get into the tournament um so that was kind of like a dual system of qualifying world tour and avp i I would love to see a dual system because like i do think that you need to prove that you can compete at the world tour level with how much better the world tour is what'd you say like so there's top eight if you're top eight then you automatically beat the team that's top 16. But if you're both between eight and 16, then that spot will go to the world tour. Like right now, all three spots would go, sorry, to the AVP tour. Yeah. Right. Because we're all between eight and 16. Yeah. If one team was to jump it, then they get that spot and they don't have to use their AVP qualifying for it. Right. Cause like if you're filling Nick right now and this, and like, that's the system we have, screw it. Like, all right, Jake and Taylor, try and Trev, go Duke it out in the world tour. Do it. Go do all that traveling. We'll just sit here and dominate AVPs. Right. You know, they have to maintain that top 16 spot. Right. Which at this point they, I guess they have. Yeah. We they have to do like just enough. We're all kind of probably in, in terms of top 16. Yeah. You're kind of like 12, 13, 14 ish. Yeah. But I think that's my, my dream system right there maybe we throw it out there let's throw it out in the universe right now let's do it it's in the podcast universe it's 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 on spotify now (laughs) pretty far out there yeah um but i I like that little hybrid system yeah so and i I write for the fivb now so i can just sneak some things in there (laughs) it's really hard to qualify top 16 in the world 
That's yeah. not an easy thing, especially in this day. And it yeah, used to be way easier. Yeah. Like eight, 10, uh, 12 years ago, it was way easier. I talked to Phil and all them, not from my experience, but like talking to Phil and them, they're like, yeah, first round or two was no big deal. Yeah. So now it's like first to 25th is like not uncommon at all. Yeah. I mean, like freaking European champs, first round of playoffs was the Germans and the Italians. Tali Vickler versus Nikolai and Lupo. Jesus. It's like, well, jeez. <laughs> well, Olympic silver medal and world champs silver medal. Yeah. And world tour finals. The Germans were in the finals of both, I think. It's crazy. Oh, yeah, you're right. <laughs> so, nuts. But that's the last of the fan questions, um, which, like, we reached good hour mark, good solid episode, our, our, our end of season <laughs> fan question yeah. episode. Right, exactly. Yeah, but end of your uh, dude, new life chapter starting for you. Fun times. Yeah, I like this. It's end of season. Uh, we ended practices for the year. We just have a team meeting before I fly out, and um, I don't have a house. <laughs> car, my truck lease was up. You're the homeless one now. <laughs> I uh, you know, I might be going in on a boat. We'll see. No. <laughs> nice. Somewhere to sleep up here. <laughs> No, I'm joking. I'm sitting in my in-laws house. Yeah. I'm spoiled. But uh, yeah, it, it really is a new chapter. So hopefully this um, brings a new success. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so we'll be uh, doing a long distance Zoom from here on out for the next couple months until further notice. Yeah, maybe I can get a nice little backdrop going one of these days. Yeah, unless you need a, need a little Hawaiian training camp practice dummy. Just let me know. <laughs> you just might. <laughs> Ready and available. Rudy's ready and available. <laughs> and um, yeah, everyone for sure go check out. You probably already watched it, to be honest, at this point, because uh, we've been rolling it out. But um, check out our YouTube video. We collaborated with McKibben Brothers, so it's on their channel. Uh, they edited it together and did an amazing job. So uh, check it out. And um let us know what you think. Yeah. We'll try. Good luck uh, with the rest of the move. Hopefully, I'll see you before you get out. And um, if not, <laughs> we'll play some volleyball for milkshakes. <laughs> yeah, buddy. <laughs> All right, dude. Shoot. All right, guys.